Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson with Luke Heaton and Henry Bienamine and Chris Allison. We're excited to be with you on this Monday after Mother's Day. Shout out to all the moms. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but we've got a fun show in store. Thanks so much for tuning in. We want to hear from you. What are you convinced of today? We'll be here for the next hour to unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Be sure to subscribe to this show on YouTube, on Spotify, like us on Facebook Live. We appreciate you sharing this feed right now. If you're listening, share it to your uh, friends and and family uh, on Facebook and uh, keep spreading the word. We we greatly appreciate you uh, as a listener and and we're continuing to kind of build this show and and figure out what this is all about and how you continue to be more a part of it. And so we're, uh, we're thankful to you listening live and thank you to all of our podcast listeners that listen later. And we always appreciate the feedback. You can always leave your comments on Facebook and YouTube and also email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Uh, just a little bit, we will get into some NFL topics. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, is dominating the headlines. And it got me thinking, what is the toughest division to win in the NFL this year? On paper, heading into kind of the rookie mini camps and training camp and all that this summer, who do we think, uh, what, what division is going to be the toughest to win? And is, does Green Bay actually have the best chance to win their division? And so is it kind of foolish, if Aaron Rodgers really wants to win a Super Bowl, is it foolish to leave the NFC North? So we will look into that. Also, uh, what got me thinking, too, with, with the whole news with Aaron Rodgers, Adam Schefter had some interesting comments at the end of last week when he was on uh, the Dan Patrick show. I, I want to unpack that a little bit because uh, I think that was fascinating. And we'll get to uh, some golf today as well. And then during Unpack This, I want to talk about the topic of complaining. Luka Doncic, what a stud. He's a complainer. But guess what? I'm a complainer too. So we got to get to the bottom of it and, and figure out how we uh, we help one another uh, improve in the uh, the complaining game. All right, before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Let's say good morning to Luke Heaton in Texas. Luke, how was the weekend? How are you, man? Weekend was great. It was the first Mother's Day as a husband. So I was I was fielding from both sides with the mother-in-law, the yes. mother. So we spent time with Madeline's family, which was very fun. Traveling as a married couple is, I always get so giddy, like, oh my gosh, we're going to visit family and we're married. And I just get I so it. giddy traveling as a, as a unit. So it was, a, <laughs> it was, it was a great time. It was, it was, we had some bratwurst, some hot dog, I mean, not hot dogs, some hamburgers. It was glorious. Don't get those confused. No, that's, that's exciting, man. Yeah. So we had a, a very nice Mother's Day, actually. So I took Maddie 
and hung out with my mom and, and my dad. We went to the park, went by the river, had a, had a big afternoon as Jody was able just to stay home, relax, and, and catch her breath a little bit. So it uh, turned out really well with that. However, I, I can't be outside this time of year. So if you hear it in my voice, I'm a little nasally. I, I have the worst allergies. It's unbelievable. And so yesterday I was, I was even getting a little cocky, thinking, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. We went out Saturday, actually. had a nice little brunch. Uh, we sat outside and, and celebrated Mother's Day with, with Jody and Maddie and, and had, a, had a nice little Saturday. Uh, but then I, I, I coupled that with a Sunday outside by the river and, and at the park in the woods. So eager. So today bold. I'm dying. Last night I was dying. I mean, all I've done is sneeze and blow my nose. And have you ever done these little nasal rinses with the salt? It, it makes you feel like you're at the ocean. So it makes you feel like you're at the ocean. You get water up your nose and uh, it's tremendous. So uh, even though it's not really helping as much as I would like it to. So I'm, I'm pushing through today. We'll, we'll fight the allergies, but we've got a lot to get to, Luke. And, and so let's start with I'm Convinced. And actually here in Charlotte over the weekend, we hosted the Wells Fargo Championship. And so I'm convinced there is no better champion for the Wells Fargo than Rory McIlroy winning for his third time. And how about this? Every five tournaments, he's won. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. So, so this is uh, now his third time in the last 15 years. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, and so uh, I thought yesterday's kind of storyline where he almost blew it on 18. He almost blew it and lost the lead, but he hung on just enough and it made the right decision there with kind of the being out of bounds and that crazy river that runs down on, or like a little Creek uh, on, on 18 is, is, uh, is always interesting. And so I've, I've been to the tournament a number of times. I did not make it out this year. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, but it was great to see the fans back. And, and so I'm convinced that that golfers actually like playing out there with the fans, because it was interesting last year when we were, you know, experimenting, or you know, we had to because of the the coronavirus, that that there were no fans at certain sporting events. So what would it look like? What for what sports would be affected the most? Listening to Rory after his win, he needs the fans. They keep him going. He he needs the the, the Rory chance, and and so they actually had a a kind of an impact on his win yesterday. And the Charlotte fans, we love Rory. I'm a Rory fan, so I was glad to see him win. And I was trying to think about it too. What what do we like about Rory? Like what about what about his game? Have we kind of stuck with him? Because you know it's been a little while since he's yeah. been a consistent winner. Since he's won you know some big tournaments, mm-hmm. and, and we always kind of hope, all right, this is going to be the Masters. You know, this is going to be a, the, the major that he plays well. And, and it's been a little bit of a disappointment. So uh, I'm convinced it was great to see him back winning. It was great to see him as a dad. Uh, it was funny though at the end there yesterday. His uh, it's his wife. Is it his wife? Yeah, yeah. His wife now. Um, with the, with the baby and they were right there near the crowd. I'm like, and the baby was crying, get away from the crowd. So <laughs> the crowd loved Rory all, all weekend, but they're at the end. I'm like, they're right up on the, the crowd was right up on this crying baby. Get the guy, get the poor baby out of there. What are we doing? <laughs> so I could, I could figure that out. But anyway, that's, that's my, uh, my, I'm convinced. Uh, so if you're listening today, what are you convinced of from the weekend in sports from the last week? Uh, let us know. And then, uh, Luke, what are you convinced of? So I love the I love that you talk about Rory's one of every five years because looking at patterns in sports is Fun. such a fascinating thing. My favorite one has to be Chris Davis. He his batting average for four straight seasons was two forty seven. 
So you you're talking Unheard about of. you're talking about Roy McIlroy winning every five years is like okay. That reminded me of the craziest stat I've ever heard in my entire life. So uh, how about this? How about my water bill for like three months in the in a row was the exact same. And, and we're not on like the, because sometimes you can like set it up to where you pay the same. That's not how it's set up. So I don't know how in the world we use the same amount of water That's for like consistency three right there. That's that, that is household consistency. But then I'm sure it was ruined when the toilet exploded. That was some serious water usage. Cost us eight extra dollars. We went up <laughs> eight extra dollars. It was a nightmare. Man, an $8 explosion. Not bad. I know. I hate it. All uh, right. What are you convinced of? So I'm, it's, it's a non-sports I'm convinced. But I'm oh. convinced hats need to be brought back for men. I'm a hat <laughs> guy because you look at like 50 years ago, 60 years ago, hats were formal. Guys wore hats everywhere. I'm trying to bring back the hat. This morning I'm rocking my hat hat. It's thy hat. The logo is the hat I'm wearing. So it's like a hat, hat inception. So my buddy had one, and I, of course, had to copy him. So very proud of this hat. But – Hats are great. So I, my perspective on this is I hate doing my hair because I always have to shower because I wake up with horrible bedhead. So there's no way to overcome the bedhead without just dunking my head in the shower. So then I have to gel it and good everything. Shower. It's good to shower. Good to shower. So I shower regardless. But every anytime I have to go somewhere with no hat, I have to shower because I, I there's no way to make my hair look good without – it's a whole process. Soak it. Dry it, gel. But if I can put a hat on, I can go anywhere. So I'm <laughs> convinced we need to make hats formal because I wear hats everywhere unless I have to wear a suit somewhere. Or like when I go to church, no hat. So I want to make hats more formal, more widespread usage. I want to get rid of the casual tag that is that is taken over how people perceive hats. They can be formal. But I'm going to wear them as much as possible, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm convinced of. We need to bring back hats being more than just a casual staple of attire. I, I told you this last week that I yeah I only wear a hat when I don't want to do my hair. So it's 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 usually just a, a casual time like like you you mentioned. However, I do have a top hat at home that I've only okay. worn one time for uh, engagement photos. Sometimes somehow I got. Uh, <laughs> You have, a, you have pictures of you with a top hat on? With a top hat and a vest. Wow. Oh, Jerry. <laughs> Very goofy. Uh, yeah, the engagement, you know, phase. These pictures to have to be – these need to be released to the public. They are They are painful. But uh, <laughs> I still have the vest. I don't think I've worn that since. And then I've got the top hat. But I also – so my grandpa, he was a cap guy. So he always wore, you know, a cap. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, the kind of – almost like a painter's uh, – the painter has gotten the – credited for that i guess but huh. so i've got a couple of those that i'll wear on vacation when i don't know anyone just to just for fun i like to, when I, I go on vacation i like to wear goofy hawaiian shirts and then fun fun caps it's I your disguise me. you don't want to be rec- you don't want to be recognized on vacation you're trying Not to get vacation. you're trying to get some peace we'll go the that's shades it. the hat you want to be recognized that's right that's right so uh but no it's an interesting take i'm i'm, I'm open to it um but then i can't do my hair so uh, you know that's that's fair. If you're proud of your hair, so there, there's a there's a theory about it that hats started. I read an article about it that hats began their decline because of JFK, because he had great hair and he never wore a hat. Ooh, interesting. So, so men started wearing hats less often. But prior to that, 
men wear hats all the time everywhere. Throw yeah. on the hat, go to work, maybe take it off when you're on the bus. But man, you're putting it right back on when you're going. <laughs> what anywhere. a random thing, yeah. <laughs> so we gotta bring we gotta bring it back. I'm not too proud of my hair to have to show it off all the time. I'm right. I'm fine. It's it's convenient for me to just toss on a hat. Yeah, I I like it. Are you? Uh... Like this one you wear, you're wearing right now, looks like a goofy hat. I would consider that a goofy hat. This, kind is, of a, a this is a goofy, yeah. This is a goofy hat, but I, I, I like a nice athletic golf hat, or yep. I'll go. I like a snapback, but I, I know I never go flat bill. I like a a gently. Oh no, curved, I'm not a flat bill guy. Yeah, I like a gently curved bill. I gotta uh, have a curve. Yeah, yeah. I'm a so, curvy guy. Yeah, but yeah. Today, today's a goofy hat day, just because I had to show off. I'm very proud of this hat because it's very unique. So I wear goofy hats like that when I'm mowing the lawn. So I, mm. I wouldn't be, I would definitely not be on YouTube and Facebook live wearing that goofy hat, Luke. <laughs> Those podcast listeners, good for them. They don't have to see this goofy hat. Yeah, this, yeah, this is bad radio for for podcast listeners. But uh, oh man, hey, I'm I'm just oozing out confidence in this hat. Feeling All right. great. Hey, hey, you rock, you rock it, man. Uh, you know it's funny. So little Maddie, she loves my hats. So she she'll okay. grab my hat. I've got a little hat thing in my closet. She'll pull them out and, and try them on. Um, one week I'll wear my, uh, fantasy football hat, our league, the league that I've been in since 2004, we have our own league hats. So all 14 members have the same hats and we wear them all over the country. So I will wear that. One, Do you, one have you ever I'll all shown up? Have you ever all shown up at the same establishment, all wearing the same hat, like a biker gang, except this summer. the fantasy football gang draft draft day this summer, <laughs> fantasy draft day, July 31st, we will be together <laughs> once again. With our hats, but it's a nice little mesh hat. I like the mesh hat. Yeah, yeah, gotta go so. with the mesh. All right. Speaking of, if you're listening right now and you want an unpacking it hat, you can get one. Go to our website, unpackingit.com. We got some sweet white unpacking it hats. So uh, I wasn't, you didn't set this up for us to sell some hats, but maybe we can. So that'd be fun. Maybe. So check that out uh, on unpackingit.com. All right. So let's uh, let's get to unpack this, and then we'll we'll, we'll get into some some NFL topics today. Uh, but let us know what you're convinced of today. Uh, you know, just leave your leave your comments on on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're listening right now. But uh, all right, I want to talk about something that actually happened. Well, it's kind of been happening throughout this season, and it involves Luke's hometown team, his favorite player, and one of the great players in the NBA right now, Luka Doncic. All right, so he is he's now become the fastest active player to 5,000 points. So it only took him 193 games. He's also the fourth youngest to 5,000 points. LeBron, Durant, Carmelo, and Luka. So very impressive uh, what he's been able to accomplish. However, he's been known to get into it with the refs. He likes to complain about the old fouls and any call that doesn't go his way. He likes to complain about it. And, you know, I, I think we have to point to the, the the players that he's grown up maybe watching because he's still a young player. So he watched, you know, this, this last generation of guys. Well, it's probably been going on a long time. But the NBA in particular, they like to yell at the refs. And before I go any further, let me tell you this. I, unfortunately, growing up, always complained about the refs. Because when I missed a shot, I couldn't blame myself. I had to complain that there was a foul, right? I couldn't own that I just I was just off balance and it was a bad shot. Yeah, I had to look around. Yeah, you had to look around and go, hey, it's it's that guy's fault. Come on, call, call a foul. Come on, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing? So so I'm a a uh, I'm part of the problem. So as I I complain about du- Luca, 
Duca, uh, Luca, that that I'm I'm also guilty of this. And so here's here's the deal. He's now at 15 technicals on the season. If he gets his 16th, he'll be suspended for a game. And then after that, like every two, he'll be suspended again. So he's got to be really careful. But here's what he said in a post-game interview last Thursday. He said uh, something along the lines of, I've been complaining way too much. I realize it. It's something that I'm not supposed to do. It's difficult with all the emotions in games, but obviously it's got to stop. It's just hard for me on the court with all the emotions, but I realize it and I've got to work on this. It's tough to do it, but I've got to work on it and be way better than this. And so I appreciate that he recognizes, all right, this is an issue. You can't get that 16th and you you just can't be one of the superstars in the league and put your team and, and yourself in this situation to where you might be suspended, especially you know down the stretch, important games, seeding, all that sort of thing, especially with the, the play-in games and all that that we have this year, especially, which I want to talk about as well today. Uh, but anyway, this brings up this topic of complaining. And let's face it, we all are guilty of some level of complaining in our own life. And so... In, in the NBA, we see it a lot. And then we even see it as fans or maybe anti-NBA people who just complain about the NBA and say, oh, you know, LeBron's always whining. Luca's always whining. I don't want to watch the NBA. So we, you know, we, other people, com- I love the NBA. So people complain about the NBA in that regard as well. But, but sports have this, this culture of complaining, whether it's the players, whether it's the coaches, and like I mentioned, the fans. And, and so why is this? And how does this parallel our own lives. Here are a few thoughts for me. One, we struggle with authority. So we don't like when, when, when people tell us that we did something wrong or uh, they don't allow us to do something or we have to kind of fall in line with what authority is, is telling us. We don't, we don't like, so we push back against authority. That's kind of a general thing. And so the refs are put in place as authority. And, and sometimes, you know, players, they don't like what the refs are all about. They don't like the call that, that was made. And so we, we are also guilty of this. Um, and then the other thing is we're also selfish that we only look through things through our lens, right? What benefits me? And so if a player is complaining about a call, they're, they're, they're concerned that that play, that, that, that call did not benefit them. And they don't, they don't take a step back and say, oh, that was the right call or yes, I was at fault there. It's always about, okay, how does this benefit me? What's in it for me type of thing. And then, of course, taking it more into our own lives, we complain about what we don't have. We complain about having to wait. We complain about something that doesn't go our way. We complain when people don't do what we want them to. We complain when people don't do something how we want them to do it. And then how about this? We complain to God that he doesn't answer prayers exactly how we think he should. And so this is, uh, this, you know, that's a tough one, but we, but we do it. We complain, we're like, why God, why did you do this? What are you doing? Why haven't you answered my prayer now? Why didn't you answer it this way? And it, and it ends up being kind of this complaining mentality. But when we look at the, at the Bible in, in Philippians, it says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So one of the ways that we can stand out, if we're saying, hey, I follow Jesus, is not being a complainer. And, 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 and kind of like what Luca was saying earlier, just being an NBA player, the emotions and all that, it's challenging, it's tough, it's hard to work on it. And, and, and us too. 
it's hard in life to, to, to not get caught up in complaining when things aren't going our way, when there, our day gets messed up. I'm guilty of it where it's just you dwell on it. You're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that happened. And, I, oh, why did this? What, what's going on? It's just this whining, complaining mentality. And so how do we combat it? What, what needs to happen? What, what mindsets need to change? What perspectives need to change? Well, first off, we've got to be thankful. And, and not, just, not just like uh, giving thanks is, is, is important, but it's being thankful, meaning that's who we are. Like that's our being. We're, we're, we're thankful people. That, that's our default, that, that when we're, we're viewing life, when we have a recognition of who God is, we are filled with thanks, and that's, that's who we are, that it's an outpouring of, of thankfulness. And, and so the other thing is we have to choose joy. Each morning when we wake up, we have to choose joy and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit within us to give us the, to, to, to give us the ability to, to live joyful because uh, the Spirit in us gives us peace, gives us joy. That's, that's the fruit that comes out of us uh, is, is when we are joyful. And we have to acknowledge that, that God is with us. We have to acknowledge his presence and, and also be aware of the bigger picture. Because when we get caught up in complaining, we're, we're, we're very limited in our, in our view. We're, we're focusing on this you know, temporary issue, and we're not pulling back, filled with thankfulness and, and, and an acknowledgement of God's presence. And then also we have to remember his past faithfulness. And so when we're complaining about, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, come on, God, what are you doing? We've got to reflect on what he's already done, his faithfulness, his goodness, not to mention what, he, what he's done on the cross. And, and then we have to focus on you know, the good that is taking place, even in the midst of things that we can complain about, right? There, there's always good that's going on and that God is working things for good, uh, which we talked about last week. And then paralleling it to basketball, you got to move on to the next play. If the whistle's been blown, the play's over, and if it's a foul or whatever, you got to move on. It's on to the next play. And we have to do that too. Something doesn't go exactly how we want. All right, let's move forward. Stop complaining about it. But we dwell on it. We, we replay it in our mind and we, we keep kind of whining and complaining. Um, and so uh, two other verses to, to, to wrap this up. Uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians, it said, 1 Thessalonians, say that real fast, yikes. Uh, it says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so that's the key to combating complaining is, is giving thanks, being thankful. And then also, this verse was shared yesterday in, uh, in, in the sermon at church, and I wanted to bring it in somehow. But, but I mentioned earlier about authority, right? We complain when, we always complain about authority. And, and I love this in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he is the ultimate authority. He is who we're following every day. And so when, we, we have to every day surrender and submit to him and, and his way. And so we, we have to stop complaining when things aren't going exactly for, you know, my selfish ways and what's in it for me and, and how does everything benefit me? And when it doesn't, I'm going to complain and, 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 and just be, you know, in, in sync with him following Jesus and recognizing that all authority is in him. I'm going to follow his way and his way is living thankful, joyful, and, and not complaining. And, and so that's the, uh, that's the authority that we follow uh, as followers of Jesus. So you can unpack that. Help me help you help each other, hold each other accountable about complaining, right? So we want to be an upbeat show, and hopefully we'll limit our, uh, our complaining here, uh, here on Unpacking It. But Luke, uh, how, how do you want to unpack that today? That's, that's a 
a great reminder. I think I think it's it's helpful to relate it to something we talked about a couple months ago, which was anger. Mm. And because we as Christians, there is there is room for righteous anger. Like we see that in the life of Jesus, being angry over thing like 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 anger it can be a a natural response to something that offends God. Like something is offending God, like there there's an anger. Like something has injustice. Yeah, something. Yeah, an injustice. Something has trespassed against what is what is good. Like like that like anger arising. Like that that's a good thing. That means our our hearts are in line with what is good, with what is just. Now, obviously, we can either choose to sin in that anger or remain holy. But the anger itself is not bad. That righteous anger is vastly different than complaining because what you're saying is completely right on. Oftentimes, it's completely selfish. It's someone has wronged me. I'm complaining. Something didn't go my way. I'm complaining. I'm pointing fingers. Oh, I can't believe that happened to, uh, to me. I can't believe that happened there. It's And then if we look at the why, because we should always address, okay, what's the why? Let's take a step back. I'm complaining. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. What's the why? Well, it's selfish. I wanted this to happen in my life, and it didn't go my way. Right. We have to take a step outside of that and remember, okay, what really matters? What like if we look at our life, there's so so many it's very few years relative to eternity. Do we really want to spend that time complaining or do we want to <laughs> yeah. pursue selflessness and good and justice and righteousness and follow Christ and realize that things are never always going to go our way. That's right. We're Things are always going to go. Letting go of control, trying to control yeah, everything. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, what last week on the Dave Pash interview, which which he talked about, is COVID really challenged that? Is mm. most everyone lost control? That's right. And we, like you're saying, that's a good point. When you lose control, you want to complain mm. because now it's I can't control things happening badly to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, com- and complaining is it's like a weed. Because it gets in and then it just disrupts like crazy. It steals joy. It steals yeah. peace. Yeah. Especially as Christians in the church, we want to have unity in our churches. A lot of churches are not unified, and complaining is one of the key causes for that. Mm. Like if if you've ever looked at any group you've been in, or in uh, if 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 you're listening and you're a follower of Christ, if you ever looked at your church and there's tension. I mean, find where people are complaining, and yeah. that's the, that's the cause. But and but church unity should be something we fight for. In 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 any group, we want unity. Complaining disrupts that like crazy. So, I love that we're talking about it. There's of course many solutions to it, but complaining it can sneak in without you even realizing it, and we can develop attitudes of people that complain, and we don't even realize it. Like that's you, right. it's easy to be a complainer and have no idea. It's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, well, I'm complaining about this. <laughs> Unless someone points it out like, dude, you're complaining all the time. I know. Oh. And it just brings the mood down. You're just not enjoyable to be around. And, you know, even on Saturday, I had a wonderful uh, time at, at brunch and eating a delicious uh, Benedict, eggs Benedict, and it was mm. great. However, the service was brutal. But it was like, do I sit there and complain about it? And to, like, what extent of, hey, guys, you got you to gotta bring our food out. Like, we've been waiting a while here. Yeah. But enjoying the moment, Mother's Day weekend, all that kind of thing. But that's the that's the pull every every day. 
because situations, hey, come on, come on, you got to hurry up or what's going on? We complain about traffic. It's all, all these things, but they build up and they just weigh us down and they steal the joy of the moment um, yeah. when we're so, you know, so focused on, on complaining. So that's the encouragement for us today. It's hard. And kind of like Lugo was saying in basketball, it's hard not to complain about the refs. Uh, we do it as fans and coaches do it. And, and, you know, there's a level of, hey, ref, you got to keep an eye out for this. This is happening. But when you're just constantly whining and complaining, it just, it, to me, it makes it hard to root for a guy like that too. And I think Luca is such a great superstar. He's awesome for the NBA. I know you love him and, and you're a Mavs fan, Luke. Uh, but but we gotta, you got to help your boy Luca get him, get him going. And then yesterday he got, he got ejected. Get a little aggressive on the old uh, box out or something. Baloney, baloney. Gosh, a little below the belt there, buddy. So you can't be uh, can't be pulling a Chris Paul out there. You got to learn from that. <laughs> so, uh, Luca got Luca got ejected, but uh, the Dallas gonna be tough in the playoffs. They're gonna be tough. Two so. games away from locking up a top six seed and avoid the the terrifying play in games. The, let me. I was curious about this, and anybody listening, do you are you excited about this play in wrinkle to the NBA playoffs? Or does it seem too gimmicky, too out of the ordinary? And let me just start, because I love it. I, I'm intrigued by it, partly because my Hornets are, are competing, and, and they'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they end up with it. But I love the fact that more teams are playing for the playoffs versus playing for a lottery pick. And I think in recent years, this idea that teams were tanking and at the end of the season, they're playing sorry play, you know, that's not very nice. They're not, they're playing guys that aren't as talented. Uh, you hate the rip guys that are NBA players, but like, I mean, the Oklahoma city thunder, they're like one team. I mean, they're putting out players that have no, like they're not starters in the NBA. They're not qualified to be starters yet. That's what they're, cause they want to just get top picks. But normally there's multiple teams doing that. I'm glad that teams like the bulls and the wizards and the Pelicans and all that, like these teams are fighting to make it into this play play in tournament. Uh, it's pretty cool. So I can't wait to watch it. I think those games will be, you know, high level intensity. I'm all in. What about you? I'm trying to avoid it at all costs because I do not want the Mavericks to get stuck playing Golden State. Oh, I know. And then Steph drops. Yeah, because then Steph will drop 50. And it's just, it's just unique cheering like a 10 seed is now a win, which is new. So I, I'm trying to get used to that. Obviously, if the Mavs were. A 10 seed, I would be all in on the playing game. Right now, I'm trying to avoid it. Um, and we're two games away from securing a top six seed, which would avoid the playing games. Overall, it adds excitement. And anytime there's excitement in the postseason, it always ends up being a win. Because right. what make what makes college sports so great is there's so much madness. The NBA, if you can add in some madness... It's great from the from the fans' perspective. As players, obviously, depending on what side of the seed, what what seed you are, depends on if you like it or not. But as a fan, even though I I'm I'm nervous about it as a Mavs fan, I do love the madness and the chaos it will add to the NBA product. Let's go! Absolutely, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. So, uh, yeah, we're still a couple couple days away, uh, about a week away from that that uh, getting going. A couple final games. All right, so let, let's switch gears and talk uh, about the NFL. And, and of course, the uh, the Aaron Rodgers story continues to to dominate the, the NFL landscape. And we're all wondering, you know, will he return? Will he show up for OTAs? Will he show up for training camp? At what point would Green Bay actually trade him? A lot of financial 
ramifications. Uh, read today that the Browns don't, they're not going to trade for him. They're all excited about Baker Mayfield. That to me is the team that should go all in and, and go win a Super Bowl. And, and I think Rodgers could help them do that. I don't think they'll win uh, a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. Um, so I, I think Denver, I think if they got Rodgers, they would be competitive, but I don't think that they would win a Super Bowl. But that seem, they seem to be the leader, uh, at least some of the rumblings about where Rodgers would get traded to. But but it got me thinking about, okay, what division is going to give you the best pathway to the playoffs and ultimately, you know, kind of set yourself up for a deep run into the playoffs where you can win home field and, and that sort of thing, which it does help. Uh, and so looking across the league, I, I got to say, there are a lot of competitive divisions because you mentioned Denver. Well, the Chargers are going to be, so they're in the AFC West. Well, we know the Chiefs. Denver, they're at the they were at the bottom last year. Well, the Chargers are only going to be better. And actually, the Chargers had a great offseason, so some nice draft picks. Justin Herbert's the, the real deal, a new coaching regime. Um, and so I think they're going to be competitive. And then the Raiders, they've been building through this Gruden Mayock, you know, blueprint. They were eight and eight last year. They're going to be tough again. So I'm not sure that you want to go to Denver if you're Aaron Rodgers. I, there's no guarantee that that team is a wild card team, let alone win the division. I don't know how you're beating the Chiefs to win that division. So that, that to me isn't the best choice. Well, then, if you think about where they're at now, the NFC North. Okay, Detroit may, might be the worst team in football. Uh, and then the Vikings, to me, they haven't gotten any better. Like, they were 7-9 and nine last year. Yeah. How are they any better? Like, There's Justin Jefferson is a nice receiver. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm, I, no I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's... They're it's they're sitting in neutral. It's it's just going to be more of the same. Yeah, Se- seven and nine, eight and eight, maybe. And then the the Bears. Okay, I like the Justin Fields pick. I even like the Andy Dalton uh, signing. And yeah. and I, you know Trubisky just wasn't the answer there. But they're not but there yet. I still don't think they have enough. I really don't. I I just I so to me Green Bay is clearly the team that will win this division, almost even without Rodgers. But no, nah, they need Rodgers. Um, cause I'm not sold on, on love. We don't, we don't, we don't know what he's capable of. So Rogers, you're one game away from the Super Bowl the last two years. And then you've got, I would, I would say as good of a chance to win your division as any other division. Now you look at the NFC East, they were clearly the worst division last year. Sorry. I know you're a Cowboys fan, Luke, but hey, you no, know, that's a hundred percent agreeable, but Philadelphia they're, they're no good. And so if you're Rodgers, you don't want to go there. They don't have enough to, to get over. You're not going to get them over the hump. Yeah. And then Dallas, I don't think they're moving on from Dak. They'll roll, you know, they're, they're going to run it back with, with Dak. And you're That's not going to put him with McCarthy. Uh, we already saw the, the Rodgers McCarthy situation. True. And then the Giants, is their defense good enough? I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Washington. I, I mean, I like what they, they overachieved last year. They've got Ron Rivera. They've got some nice weapons on offense. Their defense was very solid. Ch- Chase Young is a up-and-coming defensive end. He was great in his rookie season. So maybe if Rodgers went to Washington, they could win that division. Washington is, is a, is a but, good quarterback away. Yeah, so I'll give them that. I'll, I'll say, okay, that, that would be fine. I would put them ahead of Denver as a as a solid option. So, but but can you? I mean, can you think of another division that you'd want to go to, or or another team that that you feel like, hey, you got an easy path, you know, kind of to the playoffs? Because you know, last year when Tom Brady went to the Bucks, we give Brady a ton of credit for so many things, but he recognized this team was a quarterback away. 
he knew all the pieces that were in yeah. place. He knew, hey, we could go win this division. The Saints were tough, but you recognize, all right, the Panthers are in a rebuild, and the Falcons, their run is over. Like, the, the Dan Quinn era was ending, and mm-hmm. so he went to a great spot with Tampa Bay. Of course, the Saints were tough. They both went to the playoffs, uh, but that was a great you know spot for him. So, anyway, that, that's what I've been thinking about uh, with this whole Aaron Rodgers situation. No, I, the NFC East is is ripe for the taking because Dallas isn't there. Washington really is a good quarterback away from being a really good football team. And then, I mean, the Giants are loading up with offensive weapons. So Aaron Rodgers could put up ginormous numbers in New York. And the NFC East, he would get to play McCarthy two times a year, which I'm sure he would love. (laughs) Yes, he would. The AFC East is unique. Because the most divisions, there's not a clear number one team. It's like the Bills and the Dolphins in the AFC East. NFC, uh, AFC well, North. I would say the Bills. The Bills are the team to beat in that that division. Yes, but the, but the Dolphins, are, but the Dolphins are climbing the ladder. So there there is there's a little bit of pressure there. I, I see. I think Fitzmagic is gone. He's not. He's not there anymore. I'm not sure. I don't trust Tua. I, I'm not all in on the Dolphins, even I though I think. They've they've done a nice job building that, but I'm just not sure that two is the one to get them through to push them. What through. about what about the AFC North? What about Aaron Rodgers in Cleveland? Yes, yeah, that, that, like, that would be because uh, they don't want obviously, them. Obviously, the no Bengals, the Steelers, eh. and then I'm not giving up on Big Ben. One more year with Big Ben. Well, yeah, it's going to be until Big Ben wants to retire. But I mean, he it would be better than the Ravens. Aaron Rodgers and Cleveland would be better than Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. No, I th- no, I think if Rodgers went to Cleveland, they would be as as uh, right up there with unreal. the Unreal and the Rams as, as think, Super Bowl contenders. I feel like I think I think Cleveland is very is very comparable to Washington and that they've got some studs on the defensive end. It's just a matter of like Baker ba- Baker's a good quarterback. Like he's he's solid. But if you get a if you get a, a beast in there, Man, I know. I'm with you. I think that would be great. But they 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 love their boy Baker. So ride it out with Baker. We'll see what we can do. All right. Yeah. The other story that I thought was interesting with the the breaking news that was the Aaron Rodgers news that happened on on draft day was that Adam Schefter had been sitting on this story until draft day, and then he goes on Dan interview. He goes on Dan Patrick on I think Friday, and just casually mentions that oh yeah nobody told me that this was going to happen like that day or that that was a you know a breaking story that day it was just a culmination of news and conversations that he had throughout the the spring or maybe even dating back to the season I'm not sure but I, I find this whole thing fascinating and I've been wrestling in my mind with how we as sports fans receive news from these reporters and what do we actually want? Do we be, be, do we want players to announce their own news and use things like the Player Tribune or Twitter and just go directly to us? Do we like when a team announces the news? Do we like when these reporters, the 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 Woj, the Schefter, the Jay Glazers, that they become these celebrities basically? Like they're they're. All they do is deliver somebody else's news. They're just they're, they're the newspaper delivery guy, and they're, they're superstars making probably a million bucks. 
And and I, I just think about it. I go, man, is that what, what what is what is this? Like what 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 have we become? Where every breaking news story has to be you know associated with one of these reporters, and we've elevated them as fans. It's like, well, if Schefter said it, then it's the truth, and and we're bought in. And, and so then, but then it's like this idea that okay, he he piecemealed these conversations to then come up with a story. And at first I go, that doesn't seem right. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? That's even better. To me, that is more valuable as a reporter. To me, he's putting the work in. Like you're going, like that's to me a true reporter where you're grabbing information, you're interviewing multiple people, you're trying to get to the bottom of what's really going on. And at the end of it, you come to a conclusion and you say, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be in Green Bay. And you come out with it and you time it right. You do it on draft day. So good for Schefter on that one. But what drives me nuts is when it's just a guy that who's, who's signing with a team or a trade that's happening and it's like Woj broke the news. Well, no, no, he didn't. The trade gets agreed on. Just let the team announce it. I don't need Woj. Now, when he's you know uh, leaking certain rumors and stuff, that keeps it interesting. I'm good with that. All right, this yeah. is a rumor. Here's some of the rumblings that I'm hearing. This is what Woj is hearing. All right, uh-huh. give me that. But the breaking news and giving these guys credit for telling me that somebody is signing with a team as first reported, he signed a four-year, $25 million as first reported. Who cares? <laughs> what's the, what's, that's just news. That's just facts. That's, that, that to me isn't a story. Yeah. That's facts. So yeah. that's, I, I, just, I just, it got me thinking on that today. So how, how do you feel about all this? It's, well, it's, so, it's so comical because so-and-so allegedly wants to be traded per sources. Like, per source. Okay, yeah. Can we name drop one source? Per <laughs> sources. Yeah. Um, so, so it's fascinating. Sources. The the Schefter interview on Dan Patrick show, Schefter was flustered because I, I feel like Schefter was really trying to defend himself because Dan Patrick was like, Okay, well, who's your source? Did someone call you? No, no, no. Everyone knew. Like I I Everyone knew. So nonchalant. He's like sipping his coffee doing the interview. I, oh, I know. So casual. Dan Patrick's like, okay, well, uh, well, how'd you know? Like, was it the team tell you? Did the player told you? No, no. It's just everyone knew. I've been listening. So it was very unique because I like it actually. That's fair. Yeah. There's two ends of the spectrum. One, you can think Schefter's a phony, which a lot of people, a lot of people are thinking Schefter's a phony. So help, two, me that. help me understand that. Why? Because this isn't a real – uh, people are, it, are saying that this isn't a real story. Schefter, it, it comes across as clickbaity of I'm going to drop a bomb. It may or may not be confirmed. I've been hearing rumors. It, it, can, it can be perceived as irresponsible journalism. But all Aaron Rodgers has to do is go on his Twitter and say the, this news is false. This is not true. No, no, I agree. I agree. Can you do that? I, I, I miss Jeopardy. No, no chance. Did he announce no. it on Jeopardy? I, I... No, I, I don't disagree that Schefter is is telling probably what's what's accurately happening. He's been listening. He's very plugged in, and it probably is. This is what this is what Aaron Rodgers wants. This is what uh, the status of Green Bay is. So I don't doubt that. It was just fascinating because it's it's very unique because. Like you're saying, we've gotten this trend of they hear from they they're the first call from the team, and then they report it. But now he's kind of like a secret agent going behind the scenes. He's been hearing stuff, and yeah. it, it was it was so funny because he was saying, "Damn, this is obvious. This is what everyone's yeah. saying. It's obvious news. I wasn't breaking a story. 
This is what everyone's saying. It is funny, the timing, though, because he was timing, sitting on The timing was strategic. That, that Certainly Schefter knew what he was doing with the timing. But to your question, I think it's so refreshing hearing straight from players. Now, you need reporters because players aren't always going to tell the truth. They're going to tell their side of the story, just like every human on planet Earth is going to tell their side of the story. But like the like when players being their own media is fascinating in regards to if you are interested as a fan in all the behind the scenes. It's like when J.J. Redick on his own podcast talked about his trade to Dallas. Yep. He's giving – like if you're, a, if you're a nerd as a fan – it's great because JJ is talking about his conversation with the GM. He's talking about his phone call with Mark Cuban, all the behind the scenes on how a trade even happens. That's really cool to hear directly from a player because you're not going to hear about that from Woj or Schefter. They're just going to report the face value. This is what happened. But if you want the really fun, nerdy behind the scenes, that's really cool to hear from a player because my perspective as a fan, I love seeing what goes on in the front office. How did a player, what were the conversations? How did he end up? Was he wanting out? Like, how was his family involved? So that's really cool as a player and why I appreciate. But obviously, you need both. You need both. Yeah, I just, I think that these these report, quote-unquote reporters have gotten a little overrated for the information that they've they've given us when, again, they take credit for the simple news. The guy's just signing that you're not you're, you're not uncovering anything. The agent just called you and told you what what's going on, and you just happen to be the 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 one that the agent likes, or you've got the most Twitter followers, so that's why they called you. But yeah. but me, I like I like the reporters that are really getting to the bottom of stories, and they're telling us something that we don't know and, and that we we couldn't know. But they've yeah. interviewed, you know, they, and that's fine. They've got sources, and and they're they're piecing things together. To me, that's that's journalism. That we need more of that. Versus, yeah. you know, I don't know, just shenanigans, but or like really simple stuff or just shenanigans. But I think there's a lot of truth to this Rogers story. Will he end up getting traded? Maybe not. It may be too complicated to do. And like we were saying earlier, there's not really a better spot for him. So eventually the Packers might be able to say, hey, all right, Aaron, wh- what do you need? H- how do we make this better? If it's a, if it's a, a fractured relationship, let's let's fix it. And he's going to have to let go of some of these grudges or whatever's you know frustrating him. And say, all right, we're one game away. We're a few plays away. We're a play away from just giving me the ball on what was that fourth down, and they decided to kick a field goal instead at, at the end of that game. Hey, next time, give me the ball and let me win the game. And yeah. and now we're talking about something different. So, anyway, I'm curious if, if you're listening right now, what are your thoughts on on kind of what information you want from reporters as a as a fan? So, would would love to uh, to hear that. So. Uh, <laughs> We're, are, are, do we have breaking news? Do we have breaking news, Luke? <laughs> per sources, Luke, myself, has been sent the infamous pick of Bryce in his top hat. Oh, no. It oh, is, no. It is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> this gives people a reason to tune in. Oh, oh no. We read it. We read it to blast this. Oh, oh it, God. It, it, is one of the, it is one of the greatest photos I have oh, ever no. seen. Bad news. This is bad news. This is oh, journey. Oh, look at that. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Who's that guy? Oh, that's embarrassing. No wonder that top hat hasn't been worn again. Look at the Uh-oh. face. That's, oh my gosh. That's bad news. Look Where at did that. you find that? <laughs> Jody, 
Jody, I can't believe she. I, so, I can't so, believe you, you did this. You're in the middle of the show. You're reaching out to my wife to try to uncover this, this picture. Hey, hey, people know I have the most Twitter followers, which I don't. <laughs> but it was sent to me per sources. I have sources oh that are plugged gosh. in, and it was Get sent that to off me. The screen. Look at that. Oh, we, no. we need to dissect this for a second. The eyes. The the eyes do it for me. The hat's the hat's legendary. The vest is it's like you need a cane. If you had people a cane, that out. would top the look off. Oh my gosh. People so are tuning in right. They've funny. given up and I can't listen to this guy anymore. This guy in a hat, I'm out. I am out on this guy. <laughs> people listening going you listen to the podcast later. You'll have to go watch the video to see this ridiculous picture of me in a top hat. Oh my so. gosh. Such we're just a great tuning photo. in. We were talking about hats earlier in the show. Those are from my engagement pictures. Back then, I was, you know, hey, I was all in. Whatever, whatever it took. I was oh, excited 100%, to get married. Hundred percent. That's the that's the mentality you need. You can't be you can't be too cool for that. Hey, you're getting you're getting married. I'm all in on the pictures. Here's the reality: Does any guy look good in engagement photos? I mean, to me, every engagement photo of any of my buddies. That, it's embarrassing. So there's mine. So now you've seen mine. It is. It is no good. It's, I all, it's, all, it's all about. The, it's all about the bride to be. It's not, it. it's not. It's not about the the groom to be. It's all oh about the bride. Gosh. Oh my but gosh. That's some good. Sent, sources sent me that, and it was. It's a great photo. Hey, yeah, that's a good sources on that. It's legendary. It's legendary. I love that photo. <laughs> there you go. We need a remake. Oh. We need a remake for an an anniversary remake for you and Jody down the line. Uh, it's not looking pretty these days. That's unfortunate. So those are the glory days. Uh, man, all right. Now I'm all flustered. I'm disheveled. Let's bring on Henry Bienamin. He's been working behind the scenes. Uh, but let's bring him on for our segment, Tap Drill. We wrap up the show each week uh, with a little uh, tapping around some fun stories from the week. And uh, Henry asks the questions. Luke and I respond. But before we do that, Henry, how are you? How was the weekend? And and sources tell me that you were throwing axes. <laughs> what is this? Tell me about it. What's going on, boys? Scoop Heaton with the picture. How about that? <laughs> now, my sources can confirm that, yes, uh, I took my wife and my son out for Mother's Day. And happy Mother's Day to your to your wife and mom, Luke. And, and uh, excuse me, to Bryce and Luke, to your mom, uh, future Mother of your children. Future mother. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, sources can confirm that the Vienna Main family did go out and we did go axe throwing, which was actually pretty fun. Yeah, I've, I haven't done it. I've seen it on TV. It's intriguing. But what, what what's the, the setup? How, how, how fun is it? Now, what uh, when we went, because we have a local place out here, which is also a racetrack, which is pretty cool, too. So what you do is that we get in there. And they tell you how much it is for the hour. Of course, you have to sign a waiver. And the guy goes in there and he teaches you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to sign a waiver because God forbid that you throw the axe and then it bounces back at you. And then oh, and, and and it does that a lot, by the way. It's hard to get it to stick in the in the wood. Spoiler alert. It, it, it bounces. You didn't you would never think that an axe could bounce. That thing bounces like nobody's business. Oh, man. That's so, scary. So the key is, though, is that you have to throw it from your elbow. Like this, you throw it, you step mm. forward, and you throw it. Did you figure it out? Did you throw any bullseyes? Oh yeah! Oh, trust me, your boy, your boy got so good at it, he started throwing it underhand. Oh, you're what showing a off. legend! 
<laughs> what a legend. If you, guys go to, if you go to my Facebook page, actually, if you go to my Facebook page, uh, uh, my wife got me a video throwing it overhand and throwing it underhand against my son. My son, by the way, has got some cool picks. I got to get it to you guys oh, when we're done with there. He, he, he's a character and a half. So, but exactly. we had so much fun axe throwing. It was unreal. And you would, you would think that it would be boring, but it's not at all. Not at all. No. It sounds cool. I'm, I'm willing to try it. So I, I got to find a spot. I got to, I got to get out and throw it's some axe. Fun. We had uh we did axe throwing at church last year. It was amazing oh, wow. for, for father's day. We had, we made like an axe throwing board and had, axe oh yeah, oh, it was good stuff. Oh yeah. Very cool. All right. I like it. Well, that's cool, Henry. Nice uh, nice weekend. That sounds pretty good. Well, Absolutely. Tell us, what are we tapping around today? All right, boys. Let's get into tap drill. Now, this first topic is going to go right to uh, right to Bryce's heart. And if you are a regular of the, of the video podcast, you kind of hear it in the beginning. So Kevin Kelly, a high school football coach out of Arkansas, was just hired at Presbyterian College as his head football coach. The pro analytical uh pro analytical coach does not believe in kicking field goals, does not <laughs> believe in punting. The only reason why we're talking about him is because he believes kickers are only good for onside kicks only and goes for it on every fourth down. So Mr. Bryce Johnson, if you had a football team, would you hire Kevin Kelly? Yes, Kevin Kelly is my guy. Let's go Presbyterian. They're uh, they're down the street in uh, South Carolina. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be pulling for him. I love this idea. I love that it, a coach has gone all in on this strategy. Basically, my Madden strategy growing up. When I played Madden on Nintendo 64, no <laughs> field goal kicking, no punts, go for it on fourth, onside kick every time, go for two, let's do yeah. it. So I'm, I'm all in. I love it. I can't wait to see how he turns around the, the, the program at Presbyterian. And then where does he go from there? How far can he go? Can he make it to the NFL? Let's see. He's, it. The, mo- he's the modern day Billy Bean. He's he's football's Billy Bean. Hey, kickers are people, too. Come on now. We got to have some respect <laughs> for kickers. Kickers are I'm, people, I'm too. Kidding. Yes. It's cool. All right, Henry. That's good stuff, man. All right, let's go to our let's go to our second tap. A wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, DK Metcalf, tried out for the Olympics and he ran the 100 meters in about 10 and a half seconds. Now, to give you an idea of how fast and how far that is, that is literally DK Metcalf running from the back of the end zone to the other back of the end zone in about 10 seconds and he came in ninth. So, what wow. do you guys think about DK Metcalf and his and and uh, his attempt to qualify for the Olympics. Ten and a half seconds running from the back of the end zone to the back of the end zone is scary. Oh, I mean, it's so fast. And so I guess he's not going to make it. So he's not going to the Olympics. No, right? unfortunately not. So he's out. But I, I, I'm a huge fan of his. I thought what he did in Seattle last year and, and really emerging as an elite wide receiver still got to get the numbers probably to be elite but I think he's got the game he's got the size the speed he's the kind of wide receiver that I enjoy watching he's the kind of receiver that I'd want on my team as much as I love Steve Smith he's a smaller uh wide receiver so I got used to him as a as a wide receiver with the Panthers but but in today's NFL getting that size the the AJ Brown DK Metcalf mode or model I guess uh is is awesome so 
I, I can't believe with that size he can run that fast. It is remarkable. He's he's superhuman. The clip of him last season chasing down the guy who, who picked off yeah. Russell Wilson. Buda uh, Baker. The Buda fact Baker. that right. DK Metcalf is that large, and we're not laughing at the idea of him trying out for the Olympics because it's realistic. Yeah. It, it does not make sense that you can run that fast and be that large. It, it's unbelievable. Doesn't, You're doesn't referring to, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Bryce. No, it doesn't add up. It's crazy. That That's why he... To me, is se- he separates himself from from other wide receivers because of that combination. Mm-hmm. Now think about this: DK Metcalf, and when you're referring to Buda Baker, that chase down tackle that he did was running at 22 miles per hour. Oh my goodness! To chase down Buda Baker and ran about 115 yards. God. <laughs> that, that was is like insane. Me, that was me chasing Maddie yesterday. She was running away from me down the down the park. So, oh my uh, God! I, I can't. I, I don't have the Metcalf speed. She she <laughs> ran away. It was tough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going into the NBA, and Mister Triple Double himself, Russell Westbrook, is one triple double away from setting a new NBA record, which has stood for almost fifty years for most triple doubles in a season which currently he's tied with oscar robinson so luke i'm going to give this to you yep. is this an accomplishment and has russell westbrook kind of watered down the art of the triple double gosh i've been i've i've been on both sides of the argument i think i'm now to the point where it is so like it is such a remarkable remarkable achievement to like i've never i never even came close to a double double in high school like not even close. So the fact that he's able to get triple doubles and average that is unbelievable. So I think it's a remarkable achievement, even though he hasn't won a ring. He hasn't, I guess, relative to other superstars, done much in the playoffs. To to do what he does every night, the energy required, the health required, it's it's also superhuman. So... I don't think it's watered down. I just think it shows how unbelievable his motor. He's like the Energizer Bunny. Like to have that energy to average a triple double is crazy. It is to me. It's a wonderful stat because it shows that he gets players involved. He scores, and he also makes the effort to grab rebounds because rebounds are all about effort. And and so as a guard, it's easy to not yeah. I'll just let the big guys get it, but but he goes after them. And and so I, I think it's I think those stats are not watered down. I think they're impressive. As a guy who plays fantasy basketball, it's it's great. Uh, my best basketball accomplishment was five points, five rebounds, five assists, five steals. So that was my All right. Uh, <laughs> the quadruple <laughs> single. I may I don't know. I don't think I had five blocks, but maybe it makes the story better at this point. But I may have even had five the five. quintuple single. Yeah, oh. yeah. It was. I think I think it was only four of those things, but. Um, but that was my best game. But anyway, the, the Russell Westbrook to me though doesn't make players better. He gets guys involved, but he doesn't make them better. Like he doesn't get them over the hump. And it, and it comes down in clutch time. He he doesn't know how to win. Like he's to me, he's just not the winning guy that you want. And and I can't quite pinpoint why because I respect how he plays. I respect the triple doubles, but it just hasn't translated to big time no. success. Other than, I mean, him and Durant did make it to the finals, so I got to yeah, give yeah. him that. But when you think about the greats, he he's not on that level of, of winning. It's fascinating because you're right. Um, amazing to that many triple doubles. He does everything. 
and his teammates love him. Yeah. Like Bradley Beal recently talking about how he loves Westbrook, and there's this false narrative in the media that teammates hate him. So it's like, there, it's how do you pinpoint what, what goes wrong? Because on paper, what more do you want your player to do? Triple double every night, and his teammates love him. So yeah, it's it's a bunch of question marks. It makes no sense. Yep, absolutely. All right, just Henry. To, just to finish that off, if uh, if Russell Westbrook does nothing for the rest of the season, no points, no rebounds, no assists, he will still average a triple double for the season with the in which would make four out of the five last seasons. Unbelievable. It, incredible. It really is. Has he won the MVP? Did he win the MVP? He won it one time. Yeah. He won yeah. it. He won it once. Yeah. Well, that's good. At least he got it one time. Mm-hmm. But you gotta win and, more. You gotta win more to be the MVP. But go ahead. Let's see if we got let's see if we we definitely gonna make time for this. In a in a tap that I'd like to call nothing but God, former defensive end Brandon Bear saves a man after a semi crashes into an ongoing oncoming train. Brandon Bear just happened to be on the highway and he witnessed the crash. And then right after calling 911, got out of his car, ran to the semi and pulled the driver out of the car before, right before the explosion. That has to be nothing but God right there. God doesn't make mistakes in what he does. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's a remarkable story. So it is a former defensive end. And, and so he's kind of a, a hero in the situation. And I guess the, the question for you guys, are are you hero type guys? Would you would you jump into a burning uh, car or pull somebody out? What, 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 where do you come out on that? You I guys know get it. You're not. You're not heroes. You're not heroes. <laughs> oh, of course. Luke is, look at his floppy hat. He's not saving anyone. <laughs> hey, I'm all I'm I'm always got a hat on. I'm always ready to go. That means I'm not, that means I'm not in a suit. If I got a hat on, I've got my athletic attire on, ready, ready to go. But <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think I would. No, that's like, good. I just, I mean, I've never been in a situation to do that. that. That's just remarkable to, without hesitation, to just do that. That's just, that's just amazing. I know. To to respond in that way, and yeah, yeah you're risking your life. The pre- yeah, the presence of mind to respond that way is is incredible. Yeah, cool story. That's a good. That's a good one. Now, a quick story, maybe not on this level in particular, but uh, um, my wife and I, we took another couple out. We went on a boat ride and we were in New York City. And after the boat ride, everybody gets off. Everybody's getting ready to go. We're, uh, we're literally in, in the car on the way to on the way out of the parking lot. And a fight breaks out in the parking lot. Literally, mm-hmm. they're like there are there are people fighting everywhere. Guys fighting guys, girls fighting girls. And my and my friend jumps out of the car to try to break up the fight. And so of course, being that he jumped out of the car, I have to I have to go follow him behind and we're trying to break up like this mob of people. It was like oh, insane. Wow. It was like insane. So, I am the kind of person that if I see something happening, uh if 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 I'm near it, I'm jumping in. Ooh. Was it a was it a successful breakup? Of the it fight? was it was definitely a successful breakup. Well, we're going it, to it's always a successful breakup when you hear sirens in the middle of a fight. Yeah, that's right. That's the- oh my gosh! I, I'm not sure if that's heroic or uh, dangerous. I guess it, I guess it has to be dangerous to be heroic. I don't know. I'm yeah, just, that's wild, in, man. In my head, I'm, I'm just imagining the uh, I'm just imagining the Anchorman fight of all the newscasters just meeting <laughs> and they're all brawling. So that that's what I'm imagining. That's what you entered into, Henry. Henry, Henry yeah, news team all- four. 
including the <laughs> Spanish announced team. That's right. Yo, Joe. All right, Bryce, we got time for one more? Yeah, go ahead. One more. All right, last tap. Uh, involves your involves golf. Your guy Bryson DeChambeau was thought he thought he missed the cut in the in the Wells Fargo, so he decides that he that he goes home. His agent calls him up and says, "Um, Bryce, you didn't miss the cut. You got to come back." So he comes back and then finishes ninth wow. in the Wells Fargo. A remarkable story, and it it just speaks to well, even Rory, like Rory had a bad neck. He, he was thinking about pulling out, but it's almost like when you have a little, you know, a little adversity or if it, it shifts your mind a little bit off the pressure and, and all that kind of thing, where you just go and play, especially in golf, when you just go and play, you do a lot better. And so we saw that with both those guys. That's impressive. His, uh, his interview was, yeah, he's on his, a private flight and he gets a call. So he gets home. He said, yeah, I got home. I got a workout in. About an hour, had a few protein shakes, a few protein shakes, which is one thing to take note of, and went to bed at eight, and then had a two thirty a.m. flight. Got there oh. at like six thirty, drove to the course, and then fired at sixty eight. Like that is that is machine status. Whatever you want to say about Bryson, like you can't knock that. None of us could sniff doing that. No. Like to to be able to just yeah, I'm gonna knock out an hour workout. I'll go to bed at 8, I'll wake up at 1 in, one in the morning, sleep on the plane, then I'll go play in a professional event. That is unbelievable. I, and then, I, I mean, I couldn't even drink three protein shakes. I mean, I, I physically <laughs> couldn't do that. So that, that alone is a feat that is very noteworthy of, I mean, three-fourths of the way through one protein, sh- protein shake, my stomach is begging me to stop putting more in. So, Oof. yeah. Yeah. I've probably had one in my life, as you can tell by my muscles. You don't need it. You're That's right. Natural. I still look good in that engagement photo. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget it. All right, guys. Hey, Henry, great job. Luke, appreciate you. That was fun. Another Thanks, great Luke. show here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. Thank you to everybody that listened. All you podcast listeners, don't go see the picture. You don't want to see the, the engagement photo. You don't want to see it. I'm sorry to everyone that had to see it, uh, that watched this show live. <laughs> but it was a fun show. We will be back next Monday. Um, 10.30 a.m. Eastern-ish, and uh, we'll, we'll go to about 11.30 or so, a uh, little overtime action today. I hope you have a wonderful week. Today's Unpack This devotional about complaining. That'll go out later through email. If you uh, are not subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe at unpackingit.com. And if you're just tuning in, the encouragement today was we got to stop complaining. Let's be filled with uh, joy let, let's let, let's be thankful. Let's live thankful lives, and, and that helps with our, our complaining and, and soaking the, the the good that is taking place instead of focusing on the negative and, and complaining about something that's not going our way. Uh, and so keep keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And uh, man, hope you have a, a great week. As as here at Unpacking It, we are focused on the Man Up Charlotte uh, conference, as you can see on our marquee. Uh, So that's coming up June 19th, manupcharlotte.org. For those of you uh, outside of Charlotte, you can stream the event. Uh, All the details, manupcharlotte.org. And those of you in Charlotte, you can stream it or attend in person. It's going to be an awesome day. Uh, Former Panthers, Jericho Cotri, Mike Tolbert, Nate Sally, they're all a part of it. Uh, the, The UNC football chaplain, 
Mitch Mason will be joining us as a keynote speaker. Going to be a phenomenal morning. We're looking forward to it on Father's Day weekend. So uh, shout out again to all the moms. Thanks to my wonderful mother. We had a great day together. And thanks to my wife, who's a great mom, to Maddie and uh, the daughter that is uh, in her belly as well. Uh, So thank you to all the moms and and a, a wonderful Mother's Day weekend it was. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks to Luke, Henry, and Chris. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.